I was thinking this week about a time that, in the, back in the 90s, I was over in the Netherlands doing some missions work, and one evening we went to a restaurant, and uh, while in the restaurant, we were upstairs, and it was, a, you know, I'd never been into a European restaurant before, but it was actually an Argentine steakhouse in Amsterdam. So we were, we were there, and uh, things were a little different. We were upstairs in this little loft area, and they had this spiral staircase that this poor guy would have to climb, and you could hear his feet clanking up, clank, 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 Can I take your order? Clank, 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 like all night, this is what we did. And they brought our drinks, they asked us what we wanted to drink, and I think I had Sprite or something, but it was this little metal cup that looked like a kid-sized cup. And I asked for ice. If you know anything about Europe, you know where I'm going. It had like one cube of ice in it. And I was thinking, bro, like, you know, I want it cold. Like, I don't want it to be, you know, like a little cherry on top. But whatever, I drank it. And, uh, and we had been walking all day, so I drank it. And then I drank another one. And here he goes, glunk, 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 glunk. Hey, can I get a Sprite? You're going, glunk, 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 glunk. Here we go. We did this, you know. And about the third one, it dawned on me. I went, oh, wait a minute. I'm, I, I wonder if we, if we have to pay for each one of these. You know. And the missionaries were paying for it. And I thought, oh, no, I'm being such a terrible person right now, guest. They're paying for this meal, and I'm like on my third one, and I feel like I'm about to dehydrate to death. And so I asked, and they said, yes, you know, we charge you for each one. It's like, you know, like that big. And for a, for a, you know, for a southern boy who grew up in humidity, who's thirsty all the time, I felt like I was about to dehydrate the whole time I was there, you know. I thought, I was shocked that you didn't get, because I grew up in the land of unlimited refills. Come on, somebody help me with that. Right? Unlimited, you just go and get it yourself. Unlimited refills. Well, it made me think about all the things in our life that we face that are limited, and I never took that for granted until it was gone. Well, here's the thing about prayer. We're never going to have that experience with prayer. We're never going to have the experience of it taking, taken away from us. So we're never really going to feel that loss. So we got to find another way to wrap our mind around the fact that prayer's actually an unlimited experience. Think about it like this. You don't have to go to a special building to pray. You can pray anywhere. You don't have to wait for a certain time. There's not a certain time of day, 301. You know, that's when we have to pray. That's when the prayer window's open. You don't have to have any kind of prayer clothes. You don't have to have a prayer carpet. You don't have to speak in any kind of prayer language in order, some kind of religious language or formal language. You don't have to have training. There's no certification. You don't have to take an exam. There's no license. There's no permission. There's no tax, and there's no fee. That's already good news, isn't it? I mean, all the limitations that we know of in life don't apply to prayer. Prayers, that's why we've called this series Unlimited Prayer. Because it's an experience that we can engage in again and again and again. Here's the question, though. Why don't we do it more? It's unlimited. It's free refills. So why don't we do it more? Unlimited doesn't mean easy. It just means available. And if the bar is so low, why is prayer so hard? Well, I've got some theories Maybe one of the reasons that prayer is hard for us is because it's where we wrestle with our misconceptions about God. Like the things that we believe about God that aren't true, they kind of get ironed out when we pray. 
Also, it might be difficult because it's the place that we wrestle with the truth about ourselves. I don't know if you caught in uh, our devotional and in Richard Foster's book yesterday, he said this, none of us will keep up a life of prayer unless we're prepared to change. Because prayer requires something from you, change. You're not going to pray and pray and pray and pray and just stay the same. Because you're encountering a living God. You're having a dialogue with a God who's alive and dynamic and moving and speaking. And you're not going to do that over and over and over and stay the same. You're either going to open up your life to change or you're going to withdraw and say, prayer's too hard, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. I wasn't raised that way. I don't, I don't understand it. When we begin to pray as well as receiving our misconceptions about God get kind of ironed out and we begin to receive truth about ourselves and things start to surface like anger and frustration and fear and worry and anxiety and you know the fault lines in our own character all kind of things sadness questions we don't know the answer to things start to surface as we pray so although it's unlimited it doesn't mean that it's just you know the simplest or maybe it is simple the easiest thing to do Maybe this is uh, some of what Paul the Apostle had in mind when he prayed this prayer in Ephesians that we've been looking at this whole series. Ephesians 3.14, let's look back at it. Here's where we started two weeks ago. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Pastor Mark shared with us there are four steps to unlimited prayer. And then last week we looked at verse 16 and 17 continuing on in the same prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So unlimited prayer requires unlimited power. And we basically talked last week about how God uses his power as, we, as Paul was praying for the Ephesian church and as we pray for ourselves and others, we pray that God's power would give us inner strength, that we might have more Jesus on the inside. And that brings us to today, verse 17 and 18. Let's look at those verses. And today we're going to talk about unlimited love. Last week was unlimited power. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now look, I know there's a lot of distractions today with the storm and you know, COVID, but I believe God has a word for us. I believe God has a good word for us. And I believe that word's about unlimited prayer, and so many are going to receive it online today and maybe even come back and watch it later. But if you'll, if you'll open your heart today and say, all right, God, hit, hit me, touch me. I believe God has a good word for us today from this prayer. Now, when I first read it, I, I had a thought that maybe you had. I thought about, yes, let's pray, you know, that we have more love, right? Because in the world that this book was written in, in the world that Paul prayed this prayer in, and in the world that we live in, wouldn't it be incredible? I can hardly think of a thing that would be better than if we had more love. More, more love in the world. That we loved each other more. Jesus said, 
By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Like the way that we care for and love and the affection that we have for each other is going to be a testimony. I remember I had a friend years ago in another city who a TV reporter asked him, why do you think it is that there's so many different churches in this city? Here's what he said. Because we don't really love each other. It's a pretty, you got to wrestle with that for a minute, don't you? We want to go to doctrine. We want to go to distinctive. We want to go to philosophy. He went to the root. I guess because we don't love each other. And so imagine how different the world would be if there was more love. The racial division that we see. The church divisions that we see. The political division. The divorce and most of the relational separation that we see in our world is a lack of love. I mean, when you get down to the root of it, that's what it is, is a lack of real, true love. The world would be so different if we really loved each other. Most of the time when you encounter someone in life, it's very rare that we see true love. A lot of times people don't love you, they don't love me, they love what we can do for them. But they don't love us. True love is is a rare thing to find. But you know what? As rare as it is, that's not what this prayer's about. This prayer's about something actually greater than what I just said. So as I read it and studied it, I went, well, if that's not what it's about, I know what it's about. It's about loving God more. Maybe if we loved God more, maybe that's what Paul was praying, maybe that's what we should pray, that we would love God more. And if we loved God more, imagine how different the world would be. That's what Jesus said when he was asked, what's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And I was reading, I said, that must be what Paul was praying for. Love God. Can you imagine how much better your life would be if you loved God more? How much better my life would be if I loved God more? And all of that is true. But you know what? That's not what this prayer is asking for. That's what I thought. It's actually asking for something greater than that. Can you imagine what could be greater than that? This prayer's not asking for greater love for others or greater love for God. Watch this. It's asking for greater love from God. That I would understand how great His love is for me. That's a... That's a shift in the way that we oftentimes think about love. That we would understand God's love. Look back at verse 17 again. And I pray that you, being rooted and established, he drew from uh, two word pictures, one from um, gardening. It's a planting term. That you would drop the roots of your life down into the soil of God's love. That his soil would be your source. That it would be your anchor. Or from an architectural uh, picture, that the foundation of your life would be God's love. That you would actually set, you would rest, you would build all of your life on the foundation of God's love, not on any other foundation. And that's, that's what he's saying to us in verse 17. Now look at verse 18. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is what? Not more love from me for other people. Not more love for God. But I would grasp 
how great God's love is for me and that you would do the same thing. So not love each other better, not love God better, but to know God's love better. So how do we, how do we grasp God's love? Think about this all-powerful, eternal, with no beginning and no ending God, creator, who shrunk himself into a human skin and became a human being and suffered the injustice and death at the hands of his own creation. And the Bible tells us, and for no other reason other than he loved us. Why would you have such carrying on? Why would you have such an extravagant display? Why go through all of that? How are we to understand that? How are we to understand that? You might as well drop an ant off in the Bermuda Triangle and say, swim for it. Or imagine if you were to take a mosquito and move it outside of the Milky Way into another solar system and say, fly your way back to Earth and find Amelia Earhart's plane crash. That's the kind of challenge we're talking about. How can we possibly grasp love like this? So this morning what I want to do is I want to give you three ways to receive God's love. Okay? Number one... Acknowledge that you need God's help to receive God's love. I don't know if you caught in verse 18 and earlier in this prayer, um, Paul uses the word power. Paul says and actually prays that the Ephesians would have the Holy Spirit's power to have inner strength. He also said, I pray that you would have power to grasp the love of God. So here's the first thing that you and I got to get our mind around. We have to acknowledge that we have to have God's help to receive God's love. You and I can't just decide. You can't just decide. You can't just wake up one day and say, you know what, today's the day. Today's the day I'm going to receive God's love better, more, deeper, or anything else. God's love is so pure, and it's so holy, and it's so powerful and we're so fractured and we're so disoriented that we can't even receive his love without his help you and I need his help that's how far away that we are that's how different that we are from him we need his help to receive his love it boggles our mind Because what we keep thinking is it's so simple, it's so simple, it's so simple. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for grace. You are saved not of works, lest any mention. All these ideas from scripture, we think it's so simple and we say, wait a minute. It's the simplicity of it that messes us up. What's the catch? How does it really work? Because you know, we've been around for a while and we've learned some things and we know how things work. How does it really work? How does religion really work? How does Christianity really work? And this revelation of God's love boggles our minds so much that we can't even grasp it without the power of the Holy Spirit at work inside of us. So how does that look? The Spirit of God helps us and He guides us and He reveals to us and it's actually a mysterious thing. He comes at specific times in our life. It's not like I just wake up and decide, today I'm going to understand God's love better. You can't and I can't. We're too limited and fractured and other than Him. But the Holy Spirit 
guides and he leads and he unlocks and as you follow him and take another step and another step and another step, he opens another door and he opens a window and he puts a book, book off the shelf and he opens up to us and uncovers and reveals. But he does it. It's his work. It's his prompting. It's his leadership. All we can do is follow. The Spirit prompts us. We have to be sensitive to him and respond. And as we respond, his love fills our life in greater measure. Now, this presses against all of our 21st century sensibilities. We are not used to not being able to order something and have it delivered to our door through Amazon or DoorDash or, you know, 24-7 access to everything. All the time, whenever we want it, push a button, link an account, create an account, do it when you want to do it. It's all the, con the consumer society of the American culture today is centered in the consumer, and it's all about what you want and when you want it. And this revelation of love is not centered in you or me. It's centered in God. And it's not about when you want it or when I want it. It's about the mysterious leadership of the Holy Spirit and how He's working in your life at any given moment and how He will reveal it in His own mysterious way. And what we do is hold on for the ride and follow Him. Because he's come to reveal his love to us. I remember a season like that in my life. I was taking a, a master's degree. I was in a master's degree program. And somewhere in the middle of that program, God began to reveal his love to me. For me. And it's so strange. You would think that after a, a bachelor's degree with a lot of theology classes and a lot of Bible classes and 15 to 17 years of ministry experience, I would already have known about His love for me. And, and the, the thing is, the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, whispers to my heart, I don't think that you believe that I really love you. And I said, well, Lord, I, I know that you love me. But as I took that journey with him, as I responded to that prompt, I began to understand that I was thoroughly convinced about God's love for everybody else. In, in fact, I'd staked my entire life on it. I followed the path I followed. I did the training I did. I did the education I did. I did the occupation I did. I did the vocation. I did the ministry. I did my free time, my volunteer time, even before all of that. I'd sunk everything, my whole life in it. But I wasn't yet convinced that he loved me. And the Holy Spirit prompted me. And I said, well, Lord, I, I, I do know you love me. And he said, I don't, I don't, you don't, you don't know, and here's how... Here's how you don't know. Watch this. This is one of the great insights I've ever received in my life about God's love. Because you don't treat yourself the way I treat you. You don't think about yourself. You don't talk about yourself. And you don't treat yourself the way I treat you. And one of the ways that you know you don't... And it began to revolutionize my life. One of the ways you know that you don't you don't receive, you don't walk in the love of God as you talk about yourself and think about yourself in ways God never would. Whether that's inflated or deflated. Whether it's narcissism or pity. 
But you, you don't. You don't engage that way. And as God began to convince me of his love for me after, can you believe? And I'm just guessing after all those years, if I was there, some of you are probably there. And it was a glorious season of my life that lasted for months. And everywhere I went, I told everybody I knew. And I became convinced the problem that everybody else had was mine. I, do, you know, do you know that God loves you? And it was a time of great joy. A time of great um, growth and excitement and wonder to be relieved from so many of the pressures that the world gives us. So we have to acknowledge that we need God's help or we're never going to know God's love. Number two, evaluate your response to God's love. Now, what I just shared with you is a way that you can do that. Here's another way. What happens is, is how do you know that you're receiving God's love or not? I mean, are you, are you grunting? You know, do you try harder? Is it how long you pray? Is it, you know, how do we measure that we're receiving God's love or not receiving His love? Here's one of the ways you know. Evaluate your response. Watch yourself. How you are responding to God will tell you so much about whether you're receiving His love or not. Let me explain this for a minute. See, what love is, is love is a sacrificing, incredible gift God gave all that he had. He bankrupted heaven and he did it with no expectation with, with, to reveal his love to humanity. That's what true love is. True love is when I give you something and I don't expect anything back from you. Have you ever had somebody uh, say, after all I've done for you? You know what that means? I didn't do it out of love. I did it with an expectation of return. That's not love. Love is, I heard somebody say it like this once, God loves you because he loves you because he loves you. There is no, there's no further place to back up to to get a greater origination point. He, he loves you. And that's what love is. So how do we respond to love like this? How do we respond when we receive a gift this profound and, and this overwhelming? How do we not respond? It changes you when you receive a gift that's profound. You can't be the same. Uh, many years ago, I was on a missions trip, and there was a young guy on our team, probably in his early 20s, who had grown up in a life of, of privilege. He had pretty much had most of what he ever wanted in life, and I don't know that he had ever really encountered poverty. And we went on this missions trip, and we stayed at a Bible college, and you had a bunch of people at the Bible college training for ministry, but they were all poor. I mean, not in American standards. I mean, in third world standards. They were poor. And there was this uh, couple who was married with kids that had gotten called to ministry, saved, called to ministry, left what they were doing, came to the Bible school to train, had nothing, lived in a one little brick room with a dirt floor. And um, they built a relationship with this guy on our team. Okay? And near the end of the trip, they had built such a connection with him and they wanted to give him something um, that would be a valuable gift. And it's hard for us to imagine because we have cell phones, smartphones, and cameras, and we have pictures running out our ears. At that point in history, this family had one family picture. It's all they had. 
And they took that one picture they had of their family and they gave it to him. And they said, when you go back home, will you use this picture to remember us and pray for us? <laughs> he, he had never received a gift like that. He had never received a gift that required so much sacrifice. He had never received a gift like that with really no expectation. And it, it rocked him. I remember walking past him that night on the way to the cafeteria to eat dinner. And he was out on the stairs, almost non-responsive. He wasn't talking to anybody. He was staring with a death stare into the ground. And he skipped dinner that night. He didn't even eat. It just shook him. He'd never had a gift like that. And the next morning, we packed up and went home. He gave away his suitcase. He gave away his clothes. He gave away everything he brought. He gave away his wallet. He gave away all the cash that he had. He gave away everything but the clothes on his body, his passport, and his driver's license. Because it shook him to his core. Here's what I want you to know. When you really receive the love of God you can't be the same it, it changes you it shakes you it transforms you and you will respond you will respond somehow you will respond and the fact and how you measure your receptivity to God's love shows up in that response. And if you see that response building in your life, you know you're receiving His love. And if that response not there, maybe, maybe you're not receiving His love. When you truly receive the love of God, it, it, it motivates you to lay your life down. The gift is so great. And you realize there's nothing that I could ever give that would ever compare to what I've received. But it makes you, there's no other response that's appropriate. You can't think of anything else to do with your life but to give it back. That's how you know. That's how you know the power of the Holy Spirit is at work in your life revealing the love of God. That's how you know. Because you're shaken to the point that you go... It doesn't even feel adequate. But it's all I have. So I give, I give myself. When you're receiving God's love, what you'll notice is your desire to give back to God will go up. Your desire to serve Him will go up. Your dreams will start with not what, I, what would I like my life to look like in 20 years. What your dreams will start with is, I wonder what I could do for God. I wonder what difference I could make. I wonder how God could use me. I wonder what ways in which God has planned to unfold my life that I don't even know about yet. I wonder who God has appointed for me to talk to this week. I wonder what God has put in front of me to do. I wonder how the Holy Spirit might use me at work or at home or in prayer or in silence or in writing or in thoughtfulness. Your excitement level is growing and building because you're saying, I wonder how God might use me in this season. And all you can think about is, I wonder how many ways I can please God that I haven't even thought of yet. When you're 
life, when your spiritual life is about what's my obligation and how do I keep God from being mad at me and how do I not go to hell and how do I relieve my guilt and how do I do my part and how do I check the box, that's, that's not a time where you're receiving God's love. Actually, you've become calloused and you're not receiving His love. You've shut it out. And you might even be convinced that He doesn't love you at all. Because everything's become duty. When you are receiving God's love, there's a level of joy that comes in your ability to return your life back to Him and to serve Him. Now here's the last thought. Live in God's love. So, center your life in the love of God. Surround yourself, center your life in God's activity, in His work, in His presence, in His word, in His revelation of Himself. Center your dreams, center your hopes, center your aspirations in the love of God. As we read earlier when Paul was praying, I pray that you would be rooted. I pray that you would be established. I pray that your life would be built upon the foundation of God's love. John chapter 15, Jesus had such a powerful way to say it. I said this morning, live in God's love. When Jesus said it, he said, remain, stay, abide. Look in John 15, 9, he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. See, there's the, there's the foundation, there's the soil. Now remain in my love. You and I can't cause God to reveal deeper levels of His love to us, but we can remain, and we can stay, and we can center our life. And as we do, it's funny how the Holy Spirit in time will prompt us in that revelation. You might be asking, how do you remain? Well, he actually, he actually tells us, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. So what do we learn? Man, live the life. Like, just do the deal. There's never been a time in my life when there's so much competition for our relationship with Jesus. Technology and media devices and options and clubs and hobbies and, you know, things to do. What, what, do you, what do you wake up for? Like in the morning when you get up, where does your mind go? Does it go to, God, I want to center my life today in you. My, my, my mind doesn't go there every day. I wish it did. We've got some, we got some room to grow, don't we? Center your life. Live close to God push away the competition the question I have is, is he the greatest pursuit of your life this morning I want to um, I want to pray for you and those of you online I want to pray for you but before I pray for you I, 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 want, to, I want you to know a couple things one is the greatest prayer that you can pray for your own life is that God would reveal His love to you. 
Not his love for the world, not his love through you, his love for you. The greatest prayer you can pray. And, and it's the greatest prayer you can pray for our church. It's the greatest prayer you can pray for anybody. It's a perfect prayer. You know why it's a perfect prayer? There's no one whose life won't change. It, I don't care how long they walk with God or if they've never walked with God. There's no one whose life won't change if they have a revelation of the love of God. It's a perfect prayer. It always works. In verse 19 that we didn't read, it says, that Paul's prayer was, and to know his love that surpasses knowledge. You know what that means? It doesn't mean that we can't know any of it. It means no matter how much of it we know, we'll never know all of it. And so there's always more. There's always more. I expect in my lifetime, I'll have more seasons the way I had when I was in the master's degree program where the Holy Spirit will come to me and say, it's time. I want to share more with you. But before I pray for you, what I'd like us to do, and I'd like us to read a scripture together, would you stand? I want us to read um, Romans chapter 8, verse 37 and 38 and 39. And if you're online right now, I want to ask you to, as we put it on your screen, just, just read it with us wherever you are. If you're here in the house, would you read this with us? Romans 8, 37. Know in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you bow your heads for a minute and let me pray for you? Those of you online, would you just, our prayer team is there. If you need prayer, you can reach out to them. Holy Spirit, I ask you in the next few moments that you would reveal the love of God. God, I, 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 I feel so completely inadequate to have tried to even explain, let alone understand, what your love really is and how important it is. And so, God, I, my confession this morning is that I need your power, <laughs> that we need your power, that we're just given half explanations so God I ask you today that your spirit would move across this room and as Paul prayed that you would give us power to grasp the love of God that you would allow us to be rooted and established God I ask you to move by your love this morning in Jesus name let's sing this song together